Hey, if you're listening to this, you're probably listening because you are familiar with 10K and everything that uh, 10K is all about. And you probably already know that coming up on Saturday, August 20th, 10K is partnering with the Minnesota Twins for a joint cup snake in the seats. That's right. It's going to be the first time that a pro team has actually let us make a cup snake in the seats. So the exposure, everything is going to be super, super fun. Also, we got Sammy Adams flying in from Boston to come out and join us. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be awesome. We're going to build a snake. Then we're going to throw a giant party. So tell all your friends, tell all your family, get some tickets, get them right now. We are going to have a link on the best way for you to get tickets for this game in the show notes. So go check that out and we will see you on August 20th. Hey guys, this is Kurt Cousins. You're listening to the Wild Takes Podcast. God bless. Dwayne Kaprizov in for a chance to win it. He scores! Kirill the thrill is for real. Brodziak ahead. Two on one with Niederreiter. He scores! Nito Niederreiter wins it for the Wild. Cut off by Mata. Throws it off front. Dumba scores! Brian Ralston for the wild. Penalty shot to tie the game. It blasts it home. Oh, my, what a shot. Up the Ella. Kaprizov scores. The thrill breaks the seal. And Minnesota wins in overtime. This is Damon Hunt, and you're listening to the Wild Takes Podcast. Welcome to the Wild Takes Podcast presented by 10,000 Takes. This is the podcast where we talk about the wild and give our takes. I am Dev. With me, as always, is my juniorifically attractive co-host, Zooch. And Zooch, between the World Juniors, the Holinka Cup, the uh, Beauty League, I mean, we have a surprising amount of hockey to talk about here in the middle of August. <laughs> Great news for us as, you know, a hockey podcast in, in the middle of the summer. Um how the hell are you, man? What's been uh, what's been going on? And then uh, let's get right into it. Uh, not much has been going on, but yeah, hockey is back. We got the Beauty League. Uh, is it the Helinka Cup or is it the, the? I mean, the Gretzky, whatever. Is that the same I think thing? The same thing. Yeah. So that was played uh, last the, week. Canada uh, yeah. just shit kicked every single team there. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think they they had three goals. Uh, Three goals against and 35, 36, 37, four. So they just shit everybody. They're by far the best team there. And this week we got World Juniors. Got a kicked up this morning with a couple of wild prospects playing against each other. So that was pretty cool. Yeah. We'll uh, we'll touch more on that, the World Juniors specifically here in a second. But before we do, uh, let's get into it. We have uh, we have not done this in a hot second. Uh, Zeus, what's your cup clink this week? Cup clink has something to do with cups. The and takes brand you know everyone in it all the you know our fearless leaders have set up a great event here this not this saturday but next the 20th august 20th we're breaking a cup snake world record with the minnesota twins and we don't even have to do it in kind of the what's it called like the tunnels behind with the hallways where you walk yeah, out out kinda, in the field. Yeah, we actually the, get to do it stands. in the crowd because the wild. That's not uh, intended. That was, uh, yeah, right. 
I don't think the Wild thought it was such a great idea to have hundreds of people holding a cup in the crowd. But, yeah. you know, maybe one day. But, yeah, uh, Sammy Adams is going to be there. He's throwing a little party afterwards. Um, yeah, it sounds like it's going to be a great event. 15 bucks of your ticket goes to a concession voucher. Pay for one and a half beers for you since they're $10 a pop. Nonetheless, come on out. Break a world record. It's going to be a great time. You're damn right it is. No, absolutely. Uh, I That's one of those things. Like, that's one of those... I wish I could fly back to be a part of this because yeah. it is going to kick ass. And if you live in the state of Minnesota, you have no excuse to not go to that unless you're getting married on August 20th. In which case, you know, kudos to you for getting married right before football season. My congratulations. Is, yeah. And congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. My cup clink this week is for is uh, it's going to be to Nathan Fielder. Uh, you guys probably remember his old show on Comedy Central. Uh, Nathan for you. Uh, if you don't remember, it's a show where he would help small businesses market themselves in just like the stupidest way possible. Anyway, that guy's got a new show out called The Rehearsal. The premise is very simple. Basically, he just like helps people rehearse for an upcoming like thing in their life. Um, so like one guy has been lying to his friends for 20 years and he wants to come clean and he's not sure how it's going to go. So Nathan helps him practice his, hey guys, I've been lying to you for 20 years uh, speech. And that sounds like kind of whatever, but the way that he does it is just so absurd. It's so creative and it's so funny. It gets like uncomfortable and weird. And it's, it's just, it's so great. If you, if you like awkward comedy, this is the absolute, this is absolutely the show for you. If you don't like awkward comedy, you might not like this one, but, uh, you should give it a check out anyway, because, uh, you might be surprised. It is just terrific television. Kind of reminds me a little bit of Barry. The way how you describe it, people didn't really know how to feel about that show when it was going to be coming out. So, I mean, yeah, it's um, a hitman. <laughs> it's, yeah, you know, that show is amazing. So, I don't know if it's as good as Barry, but it is damn good. Barry is Barry like is an unbelievable show. It is Barry is an absolute masterpiece. I think let's put it this way: I think if you like awkward comedy, it is on that level. If you don't, it's probably not for you, but you should give it a try out anyway because it's so well made. And it's just like some of the scenarios and like how deep this guy goes, it, it, you would just like, no, who thinks of this shit is basically what I say. I like live text with my buddy the whole time. And I'm just like, how does he think of this? <laughs> Sensational program. Um, highly recommend. So yeah, go check it out. Uh, and that's enough that uh, that's enough of the corporate shilling for me for uh, HBO. Zooch, what's your uh, stick tap this week? Stick tap, kind of an obvious one. Uh, Kirill, welcome back. Good to have God you bless. back. We uh, never assumed you weren't coming back on this podcast. Here, we kind of figured yeah. one down, but you never know what we... out there. I mean, we can all take a collective sigh of relief, but I'm pretty sure me and you never wavered from. He's, no, he's never. Back. Well, there, there was a there was a there was a brief moment where I think even my butthole puckered a little bit of like oh shit this might be a problem, but in my heart of hearts I am very happy to say that I I never really thought that it was he was not going to come back. Although I will say, you know this pod this is the second off season for this podcast, but the third off season that you and I have been uh, friends and yes. um, this is three years in a row. When everybody's like, shit, is Kirill going to actually come to the U.S.? And then he does. And yeah. you and I are like, he's definitely going to be here in the U.S. 
and then he is. So it's three years in a row between between the you know how we talk in text yeah. more than people know, and two years in a row we're on air on the podcast saying that he'll be here. And uh, yeah, nailed it. Good job, us. High five. Yeah, he's he's gonna be back. He'll be back next year too, guys. I mean, it's people are so worried about him being able to get back from Russia and, and dude, I, with I, that, making for Russia and uh, you know promoting Russia with how good he is at hockey, it's kind of like you know. So like another Ovechkin from over here. He doesn't have quite the notoriety yet, but I mean, he's not on, yet, yeah, he's on, he's definitely on the trajectory. He's got a hundred points in the second season, so yeah, and make it time. money over there. <laughs> They're yeah. not going to keep him from playing over here. No, definitely not. Um, my stick tap this week is to Servak Petrovsky. Let's go, baby. We are recording this on a Tuesday night. It's uh, it's about six hours after the first game of the World Juniors have started, and it's about an hour before puck drop between the U.S. and I want to say Germany. Yeah, uh, we got Germany. And Servak Petrovsky, listen, Spoke Z uh, during our draft episode, he said that this kid was absolutely nasty, and Spoke Z was 100% right. This kid is a monster. The World Junior started, you know, like I said, about six hours before we were recording. So there's only been one game. And in that game, Servak Petrovsky absolutely willed an overmatched, unbelievably outgunned Slovakia team. And they still lost, but they lost 5-4 to a much better Chechia team. Um, yes. Quick shout out to that Chechia team. Uh, also wild fifth round draft pick. David Spacek, uh nabbed a primary assist on the game winner. He had a pretty good game too. Uh, so that was a cool game to see. But um, Petrovsky had a, had a goal and assist like right away. And then he got another primary assist um, on the, uh, the game time goal right yeah. before. Oh, and he's 17. Yeah. And he's, yeah, exactly. And Oh, excuse me. He's only 17 years old. He's, he's going to be so good. And yeah. uh, a steal an absolute steal in the sixth round of the draft. Remember when yeah. I think, I think this is the kid where spokes. He said that Judd Brackett was saying like, he's in the top 100 and was doing backflips over him. Uh, yeah, I it was cartwheels watched- for cartwheels for uh, no cartwheels for what pick was that? The third pick, I believe, when he got high- right. Those yeah, guys, he was- and he was doing backflips for. <laughs> yeah, he was <laughs> all over. He was doing a little gymnastics bit. It's uh, it's truly terrific, man. Like good, good on, uh, good on him. Um, Judd knows what he's doing, guys. He's yeah. really, really good at the whole drafting thing. Billy's good knows. at letting him do his job, not stepping in. Yeah. I mean, there's a uh, lot of teams that Minnesota has had, like in just our state sports teams that like to step mm-hmm. in, step over what other people think and don't let them do their jobs to the best of their ability. And I think Garen is fine with sitting there and letting them do his job and say, oh, yeah, who am I going to say when I go up here? Just let exactly. me know. How- <laughs> exactly. He makes everybody – like everybody knows, you know, if you work together, he's just going to make everybody look good. A rising tide lifts all boats and all that, all that good stuff. Yes. It's uh, it is just terrific. So yeah, let's, uh, let's use that to segue into world junior talk real quick. Uh, before we get to our guest this week, the wild have eight players on the world juniors this year, and that's not including Damon hunt, our guy who unfortunately was injured because he practiced too hard and, and, is an absolute monster on the blue line and blocked a bunch of shots in practice because he is willing to sacrifice the body for the betterment of the team. What a guy. Um, 
also not going to the World Juniors are the two Russian kids, uh, Danila, Danila Yurov and, you know, my personal favorite, uh, Murat Husnadinov, the piss missile. And then, of course, uh, sadly, Pavel Novak, who is uh, battling cancer right now. That means that the Wild could have potentially had 12 players at the World Juniors, or at the very least 11. That's, like, unbelievable. Yeah, no, and the two Russians you mentioned have uh, been playing very strong hockey for their respective teams they are on right now. Yeah, they have. Nila Yurov is a stud. He is He's going to absolutely might filthy shot. He could be like, he, he just, the, the goal he scored in the one-timer, it just was like Kirill Kaprizov 2.0, watching Kirill score from that spot and, the, you know, having a great shot. I was like, oof. That's going to be a dangerous left wing tandem. Having him one, yeah. That'd be a one-two. Yeah, and and uh, Kuznadinov, to his credit, has been playing an awesome two-way game. Uh, mm-hmm. A little offense had an accidental assist on the game winner the other day, but I mean, he is an absolute monster defensively too. Just so quick, powerful skater. Oh. And that, th- those are two exciting prospects that we don't even get to watch in this World Junior Cup. So yeah. Listen, I've been I I have been leading the train on the uh, the piss missile hype train for a couple years now, and uh, welcome aboard. The train is still going, and we're going slow enough that everybody can jump on still because uh, yeah, it will he's, not he's be, long. be fun. He's wearing a C right now, baby. Yes, let's sir. go. I have you know, never I felt think so we've, vindicated. We've, yeah, we we've just beat this drum so much about how good this prospect pool is. I mean, anytime yeah. you could. Have- a possibility of 12 guys heading to the world juniors in your prospect pool. I mean, you don't have that prospects folks. <laughs> like, I mean, and sure. Here's the best part. Yes, it's but, not, it's not, yeah. It's not like we tanked and just like got a bunch of first and second round yeah. picks. I mean like Brock, Fa- Brock favor was a second round pick, you know, and like we traded for him or whatever, but like he's going to be the captain of the U S team. And, and like, the captain crazy. of the Minnesota golden Gophers this year too. Amen. But he's like, captain me. Yeah. Captain yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> but like but you know two very prestigious teams there he's he might be a good leader who knows yeah i mean maybe i, I don't oh, know it's so exciting i mean listen like damon damon was a third rounder rock star kid is an kid would be on the second pairing of team canada at the world juniors if not for breaking his hand because he's too much of a team player mm-hmm. uh servak petrovsky sixth rounder uh david spacek fifth rounder it's not like we're only – we're not just hitting on the guys at the top. I mean, in the second rounders we've been taking have been very, very good players. It feels yeah. like we're hitting almost every draft pick the past couple of seasons. It, so it really are. Yeah, I mean, you, you got – the team I'm excited to watch is Sweden. Sweden, we've heard time and time again, they had an insane uh, – I believe it was – what it, the U8 under 18, the team that's playing. In yeah, the, so your, your garden – yeah, you're exactly. And uh yeah, they got a bunch of players that are playing on that. And I think Liam Ugren is like a third liner on that team after being taken nineteenth overall in the draft. And yeah, it shows you how much depth they're gonna have. Oh, and isn't Jesper Wallstead playing goalie He's, for the uh, starting oh. tending? Yeah, uh yeah. I think that team might might be pretty good. I, I, yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if they went and uh, won the whole damn thing. I wouldn't either. Uh, our pal, uh, VI Sports Talk, Isha Jerome over from the Soda Pod, put out a thing that if uh, if you're not able to bet on Canada or the U.S. to win the whole damn thing, who's your money on? And at the time of this recording, it is a 
overwhelming pick for Sweden. It's like 72% yeah. of people are saying Sweden. Well, yeah, I mean, Sweden would probably be my pick anyway. <laughs> I, I honestly, I think I would probably do in order US, Canada, then Sweden, but it's it, it's split in hairs. It's close. It, it's close. I'm excited for uh, prospect Carson Lambos. See him play a little bit. Yeah. He's a player to watch. I mean, we got Jack Pert, Brock Faber on the blue line. So we got a lot of defensemen in this tournament. I think we already touched on that, but yeah. And we'll touch on it with our, we'll touch on a different Rhino work with our guests, but Rhino work is playing for Canada. Like it's going to be great. (laughs) A lot of defensive, a lot of defensive firepower we get to see out there. Yeah. I I think everybody's interesting players. The ones probably the fans are most excited to watch would probably be Lambos, Wallstead, and this year's pick Ugrin. So I I would say three, but it's going to be interesting to see the rest of them too. Cause I think Petrovsky definitely had a little coming out party today with uh, showing the world what he's got as a six round yeah. pick. He out and gets three points against an over very overmatched opponent too. Yeah. And yeah, he that's good too. Like, throughout game. The game, he did. It wasn't, yeah. it wasn't like he was, it wasn't like he just was like camping and doing like, you know, sitting in like the OB office and just like waiting for one timers. Yeah. Like he was, he was oh, that goalie scored. very nice. The, yeah, if you haven't seen it, go check it out. It's uh, it is terrific. Um, burnt, so, uh, yeah. burnt the defenseman, did a little move, went up top. Yeah, that's that's a that's a goal scorer's goal too. Yeah, exactly. Anytime you can go top titty off a move, like who? Well, man. after burning the defenseman clean, like that, he yeah. just went, see you later, buddy. He went from he went from in front of the defenseman to behind him in like three strides. It was unbelievable. Well, that's a, it. Kind of reminded me of Yurov's goal he scored the other day. Only Yurov didn't make a move. He just straight up relied on his shot, went up over the blocker, um, kind of got behind the defenseman, but showed breakaway speed. He's going to be a hell of a player. He's gonna be a problem. He, he's going to be an issue, especially when he comes over here and learns a little from Kirill the Thrill. So, mm-hmm. um, so yeah, that's going to be it for World Junior talk because there's only been one game, but we'll touch. Probably, I assume we'll touch a lot more on it next week, unless you know some sort of crazy news happens. But um, you know, fingers crossed. That that's Russo did say that uh, Garen's testing the trade market. He has been putting his hand out there. So you just you just never know. Yeah, uh, dude, and that's the thing with this front office is they they haven't really they they're close. Uh, they don't really let things leak. I mean, yeah, that's true. I, we were we were sitting there. True. Yeah, we were sitting there with the Fiala trade, thinking it was going to be you know right draft or yeah right for the draft right before going to new jersey all these other things and all of a sudden it's oh he's gonna get traded today and it's like whoa what <laughs> yeah okay oh and he's going to la whoa yeah nothing everything that comes out of like anything that involves the wild that's coming out i feel pretty confident in saying it's not coming out of minnesota because yeah. it seems like it is never like if something comes out more than like four hours in advance, it seems like it doesn't usually come true. Right. It's true. Let's use that as a segue here uh, to talk to our special guest. Cause he has a lot of things that are very true. We've got Dan Minnesota coming on the podcast right after this. We're going to take a quick break and then a special guest with uh, Dan Minnesota. <laughs> Our next guest is a very special guest. He is an author, a filmmaker, and a teacher about what it means to suffer through the curse of being a Minnesota sports fan. He's got a new book out called A Slapshot in Time about the history of Minnesota's best-kept secret in the hockey world, the Minnesota Fighting Saints of the WHA. Dan Winnesota. 
Dan, welcome to the show. Great to have you. Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. I appreciate the opportunity. Yeah, of course, man. No, we, uh, you know, we're the Wild Takes podcast, of course, but we are lovers of all things hockey. And, uh, you know, you you actually, you know, I, I always say, you know, anytime that the Dallas Stars do anything, I still say, well, you know, fuck Norm Green. So uh, you <laughs> grew up a North Stars fan, I assume. Yeah, I uh, spent a lot of time at Met Center. Um, and, yeah. Uh, the North- <laughs> um he doesn't like norm green either apparently <laughs> Man, shut up. i like that dog um but uh i'm uh I, you know grew up a big north stars fan and i feel like you know my first book was all about minnesota sports heartbreak and i feel like you know if, if there was like a <laughs> some people look at my tweets as kind of evil sometimes you know just kind of low-hanging fruit and you know taking shots at minnesota sports and well if, if that's kind of like my evil you know i'd secret identity i feel like norm green taking my north stars away is kind of my origin story you know that uh that uh i just it when they left i wrote in the first book when they left they they took a part of me with them you know well that, i mean they're a very successful team too. i know they didn't have championships but i mean they made multiple stanley cup runs and actually won in the playoffs a few times I feel like the wild we don't really get to see him advance too often <laughs> yeah i mean other than that what was it 2002 that run yep they went to the conference finals i was still so young at that point i think yeah yeah but both of those for me though both of those north stars runs were kind of before my time like the last uh well no not take that back the first one was the 81 one um the 91 one um i was gosh 17 18 somewhere in there like high school so yeah. um that that period of time the 80s like the part of the north stars film i'm working on right now i'm working on that that kind of time and i'm just i'm struggling with it because of how important it was to me and i want to make sure i do it right yeah no i totally get that i mean you know i always joke that like i i was born i was born and then all of the minnesota sports curse must have started happening even though i was born in <laughs> texas but like i was born uh, like eight months after the last Twins World Series. Okay. So yeah, I, I've often wondered how many like Minnesotans there are. Like I've thought about doing like a census. Like what? How many? How many people were born after you know October 1991? And that mm-hmm. would tell you how many Minnesotans have never seen a, a championship. You know, just kind yeah. of figure that actual number out. Uh, that's both of us for sure. Um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, my dad was a Brewers fan, you know, growing up. Sorry so to hear I, that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> uh, I remember when the Twins hired Paul Molitor, he was so excited because that was his favorite player. And then, you know, that went how it went. So, <laughs> yeah. They, did anyone manager of the year and they were, they like, he did. Like the next year, he was, <laughs> yeah, they fired him. That's yeah. when Falveen came in and. Don't even get me going on the Twins, man. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. I'll, I'll get uh, hate mail. All right. Well, let's uh, let's let's pivot then. I want to I want to learn about the book because I I was familiar with the WHA, um, basically in name only. That was you know well before I was born. Um, and it's it's one of those things. You know, I said it. I was being a little glib when I said it's the best kept secret. But like, I feel like that's one of those things that like not a lot of people actually totally realize. Um, how did you like? Did you know about the Saints like in the moment, or is this something you like stumbled across, stumbled upon while you were doing research for the other book? Or yeah. 
Well, I kind of briefly mentioned my my North Stars film. You know, during the pandemic, yeah. somebody turned me on to the California Golden Seals documentary, and you know, the California Golden Seals came into the league the same year as the North Stars. Um, and I just kind of started thinking, well, you know, why doesn't somebody? Why is there a North Stars documentary out there? And I so we're all at home on lockdown and looking for things to do, and it's like, well, why don't I make one, right? So just kind of yeah. started putting this this North stars documentary together. And I kind of broke it into four parts. The first part was kind of about getting the franchise, the building of Met center and their first season where they almost made it to the Stanley cup. And then the second part though, is about the seventies and you really can't tell the, the, the story of the North stars in the seventies without kind of paralleling the story of the fighting saints. Um, and no, I did not know about it during time. I was born in the, early seventies. So I don't remember them at all. I kind of grew up maybe hearing things about them. Um, sure. So I'm going kind of going through their history the, for the first time, reading all these just amazing and chaotic and crazy stories. And, and you're just kind of like, boy, I'm kind of telling them as an aside to the North stars. And if you like, look, you know, there's, there's really no books about them. There's really no, um, um, you know, kind of any place telling their story, they're always kind of like, I, I bought a book about professional hockey in Minnesota. It's pretty much all about the North stars. And there's like one tiny chapter about the fighting saints. And it's like, man, these guys kind of deserve their own story. I mean, a lot of them were Minnesotans and, and it was kind of St. Paul's team uh, as opposed to the other teams that were, you know, they're more Minneapolis, you know? Um, so I just kind of felt like they needed their own story. And I didn't know at that point if it was going to be a book or if it was going to be a, a another little mini documentary, but it just kind of turned into a book and that's the direction I took it. How, uh, how did you start to like get in touch with these guys? Cause I assume, you know, I know that you said that the forward is the forwards by from lefty Curran, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Um, well, to be honest, I just started with the research and I started putting it together and along the way, um, somebody said, hey, my uncle was the PR guy for the team. Um, so I met with him, Mike Lamey. Um, my, na- my neighbor golfs with Mike Antonovich. Um, so I tried to get in touch with him a little bit. Um, so a couple of the players I got in touch with through, um, you know, just talking on, on Twitter a little bit, you know. Um, talked a little in private messages with Steve Carlson. He gave me a few little nuggets. Um but yeah, it was Lefty's daughter reached out to me. Uh, I think she must have saw a Facebook post about it from the Minnesota Fighting Saints uh, Facebook page. And she reached out to me. And she says, hey, you know, my dad's Lefty. Do you want to meet with my dad? And I was like, yes. You know, because I was having trouble <laughs> getting player. Because, you know, I'm a nobody. I'm not I'm not a, a, a media person. I'm, I'm a teacher. I, I teach seventh grade science, you know. So these guys are probably wondering, who's this guy emailing me, right? He's, you know, what, what's going on? So the fact that I could finally get somebody to meet with me was, uh, was big. And, and meeting Lefty was kind of life-changing, not only just for the book, but just personally, because dude is a character and I love him. I just talked to him the other day and he just... He calls just to make me laugh and giggle. I mean, he has something oh, he needs fun. to talk to me about. Yeah, he'll like call me in the middle of my work day, and I'm like, Lefty, I'm teaching. I gotta, <laughs> gotta go. But uh, you know, he's just he's just a really fun guy, and um, um, I've enjoyed getting to know him, and he's he's been a great part of this. So, like, you know, now you have like an actual like friendship out of that. Has this been, you know, I I have seen the the Minnesota. I've seen part one of the Minnesota documentary. 
But other than that, I'm not super, I haven't had a chance to read the other book. Uh, I was not super familiar with your work until recently when a different uh, uh, friend of ours put me onto your stuff. Uh, so I read, the, I watched the first part of the documentary uh, during an off, uh, off moment of, of, of work and was gripped immediately. I was a big fan. I was like, okay, cool. This guy gets it. Um, and it made me just reach out to you instinctually. And, and you know, here we are. Uh, so I haven't had a chance to actually go back and, and finish everything and, and buy the other book and read sure. this, read the new one here. Um, all that to say, like, is your, you know, like now that you are starting to establish yourself, like, do you like plan what the next, you know, the next project is, you know, the next uh, either whether it's a book or a doc or maybe it's something else. Uh, do you ever think about that or not really? Yeah, I actually do because this, I mean, I'm, I've never been in this for the money. This is a, this is a side gig for me. I'm I, like I said, I have a day job. I got six more years before I can officially retire, you know, but I'll probably <laughs> have to put my kid through college. So it might be longer than that. So this for me has just kind of been like a, mentally healing kind of thing like um just makes me you know after a rough day at school or something I, I i can come home and i can be when a soda guy and it's been a really cool distraction so yeah i've kind of thought about some things i mean still have to finish the north stars film i'm still working on part three and then part four is about them leaving so i'm sure i'll have trouble <laughs> getting that going too it won't be um, so healing then right right <laughs> um but uh, you know i've thought about i i kind of like projects that are kind of you know, I've had people suggest, oh, you should do a Vikings book. You should do a Twins book. You should do this. You should do this. And th that, you know, that's cool. But I feel like sometimes things are like white noise. Like, I mean, you want a Vikings book, just go Google. I mean, there's a million of them. I mean, right. um, it, I like, I mean, I was, somebody suggested a, a, a Minnesota Kicks book. That kind of, ooh, that'd be fun. Or, oh, God. Uh, Please, right? God, no. Oh, sorry. I just meant like the lesser known, you know, stories in Minnesota sports. The more... You know, like if you look through my blog, a lot of my blogs that I write are like lesser known, you know, just not common things. Um, and that's kind of what, I, you know, turns me on a little bit. I, you know, so, yeah, I have thought about it and I've got a couple on the docket. I'm thinking about. Awesome. No, that sounds great. Um, the uh... not soccer fans, huh? <laughs> I, I, I don't no, mind. I, I, I don't mind soccer. I, I have nothing against soccer. soccer. I hear Minnesota kicks and I immediately think all of the horrible things that have happened to the Vikings due to kicks. Oh, oh I get what you're saying. Goals. No, no, no. Minnesota kicks were a soccer team and sounds like they had a giant party in the parking lot every game. Like it was people were there for the party in the tailgate rather than the actual <laughs> game. That's so, fantastic. I mean, it just seems like a really fun kind of story to, to write about a little bit. Sorry. I okay. didn't mean to go down, uh, you know, wide left Gary Anderson. Yeah, I, I, that's my, my first real, my first real Vikings memory is Gary Anderson wide <laughs> left, like that game. That's my first true memory. Do you know that uh, you probably don't know this, but uh, like before that happened, I had joked with my friends that week. I was like, God, wouldn't it be weird if he missed a kick in this game? You and I just, son of a bitch. Yeah, right? And <laughs> when it happened, now back then we didn't have cell phones. We had like the, uh, like still the rotary phones. And I remember yeah. I had a little, little rotary phone next to me and, and it just started ringing when he missed that kick. And all my friends were just like, you, you know, just yeah, yeah, <laughs> very, very upset at me for kind of joking about that. And I don't do that anymore. I'm very superstitious now. I don't say, yeah. I never say stuff like that anymore. Good. 
I'm glad you learned your lesson. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we have all the we have all the impact in what we say before the game. Right, right. Everybody, everybody knows if a fan does something different from one week to the other, it completely changes the outcome of the oh, game. Oh yeah, totally, definitely. Yep. I washed my <laughs> Brett Favre jersey right before two thousand nine. What the hell, dude? Just don't. I had to wear it to school, and it stunk so bad. You gotta own it at that point, <laughs> I man. this, and then I said, what are you doing, you dummy? Oh man! See, that was like me in twenty seventeen. I feel like I watched a lot of the games in my at my dad's house with my dad. And then they they went like thirteen and three. We're winning all these games. And I went to my buddies for the NFC Championship game, and they got stomped in. I'm like, oh my god, wrecked it! This is ridiculous. And he's like, oh yeah, I'm gonna go somewhere else today. In seventeen, like, uh, I I live in Dan. I live in North Carolina, and in seventeen, I bought tickets because they were they happened to be playing in North Carolina, uh, playing the Panthers, and it was the game. That ended the like six or seven or eight game winning streak when didn't wasn't Cam... that the one where Chili tried to bench him? Oh, I'm in seventeen, not uh oh yeah, yeah not, no, okay, not, not, okay. not that was in that was in oh nine, I think. Yeah, I think yeah, that yeah, was yeah, the nine season. Might have been ten. Um but no, yeah, in seventeen it was the year when Case Keenum, like everybody gets hurt at the beginning of the year, and then Case Keenum yeah. comes mm-hmm. in, he wins like six or seven in a row. And we go into Carolina. We've won, yeah, like seven, I think, in a row. And with like, we're up by like 17 with like midway through the third quarter. And the defense just completely shits the bed. Um, yep. And then with like two minutes left, Cam Newton truck sticks. I think Anthony Barr, but I'm not 100% sure because uh, I was at the game and I didn't rewind it and I didn't have to watch the replay 100 times. He <laughs> truck sticks Anthony, we'll call it Anthony Barr, and then just like, does like a 60 yard run like all the way down and i'm just sitting there because like i also am a big cam guy because i went to auburn so i'm sitting there like oh this is this is terrible (laughs) and then and then you know i i i jokingly told this story on the podcast before too but then the the minneapolis miracle i watched in the uh bathroom (laughs) at my wife's grandfather's funeral oh no i'm sorry And yeah, uh, I was like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I'm, like, watch, I'm, I'm watching on the phone, and then all of a sudden, they just start hearing me start screaming. Yeah. If, if you if you look on my Facebook page, my my banner on my Facebook page is me standing outside after it happened because I physically got sick. Like I was going to throw <laughs> up, and I had to go outside because my my doorbell camera kind of caught the whole thing. So I was still from it. Because I'm out there like heaving, just going, "What just happened?" You know. Yeah, well, it never oh, happens fantastic. for us. I, I I'll no. never forget that. I literally sat there. Usually, we'll get all fired up because I watched that one at my dad's house. We just sat there in silence for like five minutes, and I was like, did that <laughs> "Happen? It's like, right. did we just win?" Because yeah. I, I typical, you know, meltdown. They're winning the whole entire game and then just fall apart. It's like, oh, here comes another Minnesota meltdown. Right? Oh. Yeah. We were like 17 points in the first half, and then Zimmer yeah, decided yep. all of a sudden to, well, let's back off and give Drew Brees some room. It's like, what are you doing? No, you don't yeah, do that. Let's <laughs> not do that. Now you're going to get me going oh, on Zimmer, was, too. Uh, that was <laughs> yeah. the story of his tenure with the Vikes, though. Wasn't Just it take though? your foot off the gas. We're good. Let impossible to defense win the game. Defense, yeah. Yep. Impossible to just step on a throat and finish a guy off. Right. <laughs> it's really bad when you do that in the first quarter of the NFC Championship game. You go down the yeah. first drive, score immediately, and then you're like, "Oh, cool, we got this!" <laughs> right. I hand the rock off. The rest oh, of the game. Oh my Just god! Keep running. 
I watched that at the, unbeknownst to us, the Eagles bar in Charlotte. Um, oh, geez. That was probably brutal for you. Yeah, it was a Eagles and Patriots bar, which was very funny given what would eventually happen. So we watched that game and, <laughs> and it's there's a table of us Vikings fans and we all knew each other already because it's a small community here. And then about 15% of the bar is like Patriots fans. And then the rest of the bar is in Philly gear. And like none of us were over the top about that first touchdown. We like, you know, celebrated hooray. Great. This is great. And then we, we all knew better because we'd all been around <laughs> the block a couple times that we were going to get hurt. Yeah. And we were just waiting as long as possible. And folks, when I tell you that those Philly fans did not let us forget that they were winning for Ugh, almost four hours. It, I am not exaggerating. It was, it they're was a awful. tough, tough, uh, tough night. Have you ever seen that movie final destination where like one person doesn't go on the plane and the rest of the fa- you know, friends <laughs> yeah. die. That's what yeah. I felt happened in that NFC championship game is like death came looking for us. And somehow we got out of it. And it was like <laughs> everybody else that week up here was just like, Oh, this is it. That broke the curse. I'm like, stop it. Knock it off. No. Death is coming, yeah. you know? That's I just, I felt awful that whole. But it was oh, hard not man. to be a little confident because they, I'm pretty sure they almost lost to the Falcons the week before. They did. Yes. That's mm-hmm. right. It was like the last second touchdown or no, the Falcons didn't score the last second touchdown. I kept going to Julio, but either way I was like, Oh, we can stop these guys. I was like, and everybody was ragging foals. Like, Oh, yeah. he's terrible. He's got no arm yep. left. It's like, stop yep. it. You guys, yep. off, you know, and they, and it, we have the number one defense in the league. It's been elite all year. Backup. Yeah. Two Oh, it's over. Turn, it's turns over. out you don't need an over. You got a 12 inch hammer. <laughs> yeah, no, he us that game. He yeah. looked like Prime Brady. Well, I guess Brady right now, for Christ's sakes. <laughs> Prime <laughs> Brady, age 42. Yeah, no kidding. Uh, it was, yeah, ridiculous. So, uh, Dan, I want to I want to get back. I have one last question on the Saints, and then. Yeah. Um, and then we'll let you go because I I know that uh, yeah let's talk yeah. about the book <laughs> yeah uh, I, so I want to know is like I guess I have two last questions what my first first last question how would you compare because like about a year ago there was a big documentary on Netflix about the Danbury Thrashers uh, and just how ridiculous and out of control that got I don't know if you saw that it was a I have not uh, no oh it's uh, terrific yeah. I'll I'll I can Netflix? the name is escaping me I think it's called uh crimes and penalties or something like that um the danbury thrashers are a team out in connecticut uh i want to say they were in the echl but that doesn't sound right uh but they were in a a lower a lower league this is in i want to say the early 2000s or mid 2000s okay and they they were owned by a mafia boss and (laughs) his son who was in high school uh his son was obsessed with hockey and became an enforcer and then he blew out his knee and couldn't play anymore. So his 17 year old son became the general manager of this team and they just got a bunch of goons and just beat the shit out of everybody. Yes. I know. What and I it's a great, it's a great documentary. Love and it. then the, the, uh, the revival of that or like since the documentaries come out, they've kind of revived the brand back up and uh, they've started doing uh like MMA events on ice called uh, Ice oh, is War or something that. like that. 
Yeah. Uh, or War Ice, something to that effect. I, I've, I've been seen it. On I know name. what you're talking about. I can't think of the name of it either, but I've seen yeah. it. Yeah. So it's that. And it's the same guy. And now the the kid who was a 17-year-old kid in like 06 or whatever is now, you know, in his mid-30s and just having the time of his life promoting it. <laughs> um, it's a wild story. And it it that like when I just read the basic summary of the Minnesota Fighting Saints, like that's immediately where my mind went because that, okay. you know, was in the the cultural zeitgeist like a year ago. Yeah. Um, do you, I mean, I guess if you're not super familiar, yeah. it may not be. No, I mean, but I, I like, think I know what you're getting at here that back then in the seventies, the broad street bullies, the Philadelphia mm-hmm. flyers had kind of set the blueprint um, for those early seventies teams of here's what, you know, you need to do to win a Stanley cup and all these minor league players, um, especially in those Eastern leagues had to, they had to show that they were tough and they had to show that they could fight and that they weren't going to shy away from that stuff. And, and otherwise they wouldn't get a look at that time. And that's just, I mean, you could sit here and say that either the, you know, the movie Slapshot or the, my book, you know, is glorifying violence a little bit, but that's the way it was back then. And those players had to prove themselves. And, you know, the big connection with the fighting saints to that movie is their, their team, the Johnstown jets, their minor league team, um, their, their uh, Glenn Sonmore, I think it was his, brother-in-law or father-in-law one of his relatives was the general manager of this team so he selected them as their the fighting saints uh uh, minor league team and they had a lot of players that would go two-way players the carlson brothers dave hansen um paul holmgren boost boudreau all these players were playing with the johnstown jets and um so the, the Johnstown Jets were had a, were having a really successful season. They end, ended up winning their, I think, I can't remember the name of the cup, Lockhart Cup. They called it the Lockhart Yeah, yeah, cup. yeah. They won it. and um, But during this time, the team was having all this success. And, and um, you know, one of, the, one of the guys, his name was Ned Dowd. Uh, and he was kind of an academic, um, kind of struggling with whether he wanted to continue to pursue his hockey career or – or, um, or, you know, go be an academic or do something else. And one night after partying with the team, he called his uh, sister who was a screenwriter out in, uh, uh, LA and, you know, just kind of talking to her about the team that they're going under and we, we don't have any, you know, money. It sounds like we're going to fold. She's like, you guys are winning. How can you be folding? Right. So she went out there, Nancy Dowd, she went out there and she started, uh, following the team for a couple weeks and writing down everything that happened and having him record conversations. And that turned into a screenplay for, for Slapshot. So if you've huh. seen the movie, yeah, um, pretty much film. everything that happens, all those antics, I mean, uh, Carlson taking out the goalie, them climbing into the stands, those things really happened. And this book documents all these things. So Pretty much everything that I mean, obviously Paul Newman wasn't there or anything like that. But you know, <laughs> and some of the real players are in the movie. You know, Boudreaux's in the movie, and right, and uh, you know, Dave Hansen. Isn't it, it, a lot of it's in Bruce's apartment too, isn't it? Well, the uh, Reg Dunlop's apartment. They, they apparently the director was looking for like the most rundown place, the rat infested. Just and he asked the <laughs> players and the team, he's like, which one of you guys has the worst apartment? And everybody pointed at Boudreaux. And so apparently his, his apartment, Boudreaux actually played like one of the opponent opposing players. He wasn't on the, the Chiefs. Yeah, yeah. But um, his apartment uh, got a, a bit much bigger role as as Reg Dunlop's uh, uh, abode, so to speak. But yeah, I mean, those back then, that's just the way the fighting was. I mean, and it's not, I'm not glorifying it. I'm not, 
you know, trying to say it should be less or more. Somebody asked me a question about that once, like, do I, what do I, what do I think how fighting and things should be? I don't want to even go down that road, but it just, that's the way it was back then. You know, they, they, that was, those players had to fight their way out to get noticed. That's uh yeah. I mean, I think that's a good way to put it. I was just, that is what it took back then. <laughs> it was a lot more physical back then than it is today. Correct. And the WHA yeah. was a lot more freewheeling too, because they wanted yeah. to stand aside from the the NHL. So maybe there was a lot more of that wild and craziness there because of that as well. Uh, yeah, I don't. I, I was gonna say I hesitate to call it more like gimmicky because, like, I know like the original XFL was basically like, what if the NFL had gimmicks? And I don't think that's quite the same relationship as the mm-hmm. WHA to the NHL. But I do know that they did seem a lot more willing to like try different things such as yeah like zoot said promoting like full line brawls and you know they understand like the the classic joke i went to a fight and a hockey game broke out you know right. like that kind of thing yeah. right <laughs> actually um, what my grandpa used to describe the saints games nice. the saints games back in the day oh, i didn't know that zooch yeah that's great yes. that's awesome um all right. Well, great. Dan, thank you so much for your time. Uh, before we let you go, we're going to ask you the same question that we ask every guest before they take off. Uh, Dan, Minnesota, what is your wild take? Well, my wild take is going to be pretty much every Minnesota sports take. Um, you know, my motto for Minnesota is, uh, you know, hope for the best and, and prepare for the worst. Um, Preach. I mean, if I had to put my money down, I would not put it on a Minnesota team winning a championship. And I know that's negative. That's just my realistic side. I'm get, I mean, I would love to be wrong. I would love to see them win a Stanley cup. I will, I would be the first one, you know, running down the street celebrating it. But uh, I don't know. There's, there's always going to be a heartbreak, um, a heartbreak uh, anxiety for me. <laughs> so yeah. like, could you? I just can't imagine myself if they're like Game Seven, Stanley Cup Final. I mean, I'd have, I probably have a heart attack. You know what I mean? I just, yeah. My 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 body's physical reactions during, like, I passed out once during the Greg Lewis, uh, Brett, Brett Farmer. Oh yeah, I passed out. My wife will recant it. She that was a regular season game too. It was like week two, right? And I passed out. <laughs> I, 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 just got, I mean, I get so worked up in my anxiety. So I mean. I don't know. I, I hope for the best and I always prepare for the worst. So yeah, I know that feeling. I know that feeling all too well. I have a quick follow-up on that. Sure. Uh, our last, uh, our last guest was uh wild, wild prospect, uh, Damon hunt. And he predicted that within the next seven years, the wild <laughs> will host uh, hoist Lord Stanley. Uh, are you taking the over or the under on that? I'm going to take the under. What, what was it? Uh, we had a twins pitcher that so was you think within seven years, we got a chance. Or are you saying, no, I, I, oh, I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be longer, but then I'm taking the over. Yeah, I'm terrible sports better, by the way. Sometimes you got to explain. <laughs> um, yeah, so, like I think it was a couple of years ago that uh, was a twins pitcher that was, why are all these Minnesota fans just relax? You know, we're going to, I can't, was it Oda Rizzi or, or uh, God, I can't remember who. Uh, I, oh, he, he yeah. said something like criticizing the fans for being anxious or worrying about what's going to happen. And it was just kind of like, uh, uh, what are you doing, dude? You have no idea. You've never been here. I mean, anyways. No, I, I do remember that. That quote. It? it was. I just cannot remember who it was. I can't either. It I don't was, think it was Oda Rizzi because he was. Was, was it Barrios? Maybe. <laughs> I feel like he I, didn't I say enough for the media to no. say for sure, but maybe. 
when I when I did a quick Google search for Twins pitcher criticizes superstitions, the first name that comes up was Ryan O'Rourke, and that's uh, definitely not correct. That wasn't it. I can't remember. I'm sorry. I brought it up. I should have. It's okay. Have, we there. do it all the time. Okay. Um, Anyways, just point being is just like unless you've you've. I mean, even if you're from here, and you know, like, no offense to you, young guys. Like, I have young people, like you know, 21 years old, saying, "Why do you think everything's going to happen so bad?" You know what? you, you got to live through a lot of these before you get there, you know? So no yeah. offense. I'm not trying to be an ageist here or anything, but I mean, you get to my age and go through, or even people that are older than me that have watched the Super Bowls, you know, right? Yeah. then you tell them why they immediately think bad things are going to happen. Then you can judge, you know, that kind of mm-hmm. thing. No, I listen, I it. definitely uh, hasn't been fun being no. a Minnesota fan in my lifetime. No. <laughs> not a lot of, we were just talking about this before. It's like the Vikes, we're the last team to advance in the playoffs, and that was three years ago. <laughs> I mean, Boston's got teams going to the finals every other year, it feels like. And, and then yeah. they whine about, oh, feel yeah. bad for us, Tom Brady left. It's like, yeah. oh, my God, nobody feels bad for you. Shut up. You guys have so many rings in the past 20 years. Like, yeah. I would, ju- I just want one of those in a single Right. Sport. Every single one of their sports has a ring. I'm pretty just, sure. Just one. Yeah, no, that's correct. Right. Since since 2000, every Boston team has won. The Red Sox, the Bruins, once. and the Celtics. The, I think the Red Sox have won twice. I think the Celtics have won twice. I think the Bruins poor have Boston. won once. Yeah. And then, the, and and then yeah. Six the, times. The, the poor Patriots the, have won six or yeah, seven times. Five or six, yeah. I think it's six. And yeah. even even their female team just beat ours. The the Renegades yeah. beat the <laughs> I was at I was yeah. at both of the – they beat them – Back-to-back years, I was at both games. It's brutal. <laughs> last year's was a little harder because last year it was like a really, really close game uh, where the the Renegades are, you know, the Renegades are like clearly like a bigger, more deep team. Yeah. And Minnesota just had like an unbelievable running back named Grace Cooper. And She's she awesome. just like, she kicked ass so much. And so yeah. she just kept everybody in the game. And they were hanging around, hanging around. It was always within about seven points, and then midway through the like late in the third quarter, probably with like five minutes left in the third quarter, Minnesota just ran out of gas, and I think the final was like forty-eight twenty-one. Well, and don't forget that Bob Kraft flew their team out there on the Patriots. Oh yeah, uh, jet he and said, our, our Vikings uh, didn't help at all, and our players had to drive themselves out there. The 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 yeah, yeah I we can yeah in defense of the Wilfs, they don't actually own their own jet. So fair enough. It's not, it's not exactly the same thing, but yeah, no, no, I, I get total. I get what you're saying. Yeah. But uh, yeah, it would have been I mean, nice listen, to have a few little support there to help them out. Yeah. Yeah. It would be very nice. And especially like, yeah, that, that, so that first, first game, cause Bob Kraft did it both years, like kudos to the Patriots that yeah. first game uh, last year in, 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 in 2021, they show up with the, like the entire Patriots, like documentary crew, yeah. And the uh, the little like Minutemen guys that dress up in Revolutionary War outfits with muskets, and they had told the Hall of Fame, which is where the game was being played, that like that was happening, and they got approval from the Hall of Fame, and the Hall of Fame didn't tell anybody. <laughs> so they're honoring this um, this group called the Toledo Troopers, which is the uh, a, a women's uh, football team from the World War II era, where most of these women played football while the men were at war. Right. And they like, they were like active and some of them were in the military. And so then the first touchdown Boston scores, the first touchdown 
and the muskets fire off and it sounded like an explosion and like people are like jumping under tables. Nobody knew what was happening. And then they kicked the PAT and we all kind of realized like, Oh shit, that's what that's, that's what's happening here. And so then they were like, Hey, like somebody needs to tell them that they can't do that because we're literally honoring war vets. And uh, in typical Boston attitude, they sent me down to go tell the owner of the Boston renegades. They were like, Hey, I was like, Hey, can you knock it off? And she was like, who the fuck are you? And I was like, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> I feel like I have a Not knock it off. Toledo team. Here. That was, that's what I was looking at my bookshelf here, I think. The Toledo Troopers, yeah. I think I have a book that kind of references them a little bit. Probably. They're, uh, they're, they're, their story is really cool. We can. Uh, I don't know it well enough to just recite it off the top no, of my head. No, me neither. That's why I was, I was looking <laughs> to see what, you know. But uh, yeah, man, cool. Well, thanks so much for hopping on. Um, plug the book. Where can uh, where can people find your work and, and get the book and, and do all the things? Um, the first book you can probably find at most bookstores, but it's also available on Amazon, History of Heartbreak. Second book, A Slapshot in Time, is available on Amazon. Um, it's going to be available on the Star Tribune website in the next uh, couple weeks here. They are my official sponsor for the release party, which That's is cool. going to be at um, Tom Reed's Hockey City Pub on August 20th from noon to four. So hopefully people who are watching this in Minnesota or nearby uh, come in and meet some of the players, get your book signed and patronize Tom Reed's and have some uh, grub and some drinks. And they can do that over yeah. to the... Cup snake at Target Field for 10K that night. Sounds like a yeah. Well, the, I think the Twins play that night, and that's their yeah. Hall of Fame night. And then the St. Paul Saints play that night too. They both have games that night, so people can make a day out of it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we've got. Yeah, I was gonna say yeah. 10K. Our group has uh, has an event with the Twins game that night. We're gonna make another Cup snake. Yeah. So yeah, make a day out of it. Right, make a day out of the whole absolutely. Thing. Get a book. Tom Reed's and is then, awesome. Yeah, I will have books book, there. Yeah, pregame for the Cup snake at Tom Reed's and then Uber over to Minneapolis to target field, get your ticket. Uh, I know some of the money of the ticket goes to charity and some of it goes towards uh, concessions and yep. be a part of a world record. Let's do it. Everybody. Yeah. That sounds fun. <laughs> uh, great. Well, Dan, thank you so much for joining us. It's uh, it was great to uh, have you on get to know you a little bit, man. Yeah. I was just going to say, it's been nice getting to know you guys too. I feel like we could talk for hours. <laughs> Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You guys seem fun to get along with. Yeah, that's how oh, every man. single episode goes with us. Appreciate you having me on and giving me that. And it's always Oh yeah, no problem. Of course, man. Yeah, we'll have to uh have you come back on too if the uh, the wild do anything, you know, noteworthy or the uh, you know, the Saints do something that would, you know, or like if they do like a wild honoring the Saints or something like that. Yeah, we're hoping that's what I really hope for is that they do. This is the 50th anniversary of the Oh, is it? That's cool. League. Right, which is why I wanted to get the book out this summer. Yeah. Um, but I really, I mean, you know, one thing we didn't talk about, sorry to kind of keep going here, but sure, the WHA was, one of its legacies is that it opened the door for Minnesota-born players and U.S.-born players. Um, it forced the NHL to expand, um, creating more opportunities. At the time, the first year the Fighting Saints played, there was like 20, less than 20 U.S. born players in the NHL. That first Damn. Fighting Saints team had 13 Minnesotans on the team. So the Fighting Saints legacy is that it opened doors for U.S. born players, well, the WHA, but the Fighting mm-hmm. uh, Saints as well, uh, opening doors for Minnesota born players. And and I really hope the Wild 
takes a second to to honor these guys at some point this year the the trailblazing Minnesotans I mean the wild literally play on their grave and I know that maybe that makes some people cringe when I say it but they do they're I mean the the civic center was right where you were um honor these guys this year that's what I want I want to see them do I hope they do it man I hope they do that'd be great cool thanks man um Great having you, and uh, yeah, you're uh, welcome on anytime. If you got anything else to promote, whenever you finish the uh, the North Stars doc or anything like that. Oh yeah, for sure. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Yeah, for sure. Cheers, man. Cheers. Big big thanks to uh, to Dan Minnesota. Um, super great to have him on. Get to know him. We originally told him like, hey man, we'll probably do this for like 15 minutes, and then it went for half an hour because you know. We're just we're just so damn likable, aren't we, Zooch? <laughs> oh God, just the best, aren't we? We're, we oh yeah, on tires here. We gotta oh, yeah, throw man. on the Minnesota accent to do a little. Oh humble brag. yeah, oh yeah. Don't <laughs> you know we're doing ourselves a little humble brag here, telling us our, telling everybody about how much people like us. Yeah, they love us, don't they? Listen, actually, yeah. Didn't you just get like a long? twitter dm about how somebody like just recently discovered the show <laughs> yeah yeah i did shout out connor guys shout out connor shout yeah. him out he's a big uh, fan of 10k and all we're doing so i mean it's good i'm you know glad to have him listening it's awesome absolutely listener uh, that wants to listen to us ramble about the wild is a good listener so exactly uh, folks, uh, we did break most of the news before the Minnesota stuff that has happened, uh, since our last episode. The one thing that we didn't touch on was that the wild did, uh, officially cut loose on Alexander Hovanov. Um, if you followed the story or followed his progress as a, as a prospect, he is a really extremely talented player who fell in the draft because he is a little bit lazy. And then every time he would show up in Iowa, he was like out of shape. And like he only played, I think, 20 games last year. And it was like very clear that like he was on a minutes restriction because he just physically could not keep up. But he had all you know, he had unbelievable shot. He's got a ton of hockey IQ. He just like physically can't keep up. And it's not because he's not athletic. It's because he just like chooses not to put in the extra work. And like he's only like 21 or 22. So like it's time for him still. Cutting, but good sign. Yeah, he's exactly like he could turn it around, but after a couple of years, uh, he, the wild prospect pool is strong enough that Billy G made the decision to just cut bait, which like, I get it. We don't I want understand. those habits to extend to the rest of the team. You know, I mean, if he is, yeah. lazy, that. you don't want that. And like, you know, maybe now too, maybe this Iowa team next year, he will feel more like, oh, I better keep up because I'm slipping or whatever. Maybe. I don't know. None of us really know what happened behind closed doors, but it still is annoying that he is just like not taking advantage of the opportunity. Cause you know, I think everybody knows like, Oh, if I, if I just had one opportunity, like I could show whatever, well, he's been given several opportunities and he just pissed them all away and that stinks. But I think Billy G did make the right decision ultimately in, sending him packing. I probably would have given him one more year because he was so he is still pretty young. And now that we're going to have like an unbelievable culture there, maybe, but like, who knows? We don't know. Maybe he's just a, like a pissy asshole behind the scenes. I don't think he is. He seems like a good kid. I have no idea. All that to say, I'm blown away by some of the people who are 
reacting to this as if like the wild cut Kirill Kaprizov or like yeah. they do the same thing. They did the same with the, they did the same thing with the Kevin Fiala trade where it's like, Oh, well like he's this superstar player. How are you going to replace 85 points next year? The reality is you're probably not going to. Right. I mean, yeah. uh, the reality is not a lot of teams in our division minus maybe the stars and predators got better. <laughs> so I, I mean, According to uh, as a as an opportunity, I mean, you just got to be a top three team, and I still think the Wild are in that division. I, I would agree. I would agree. So. Uh, I mean, I know according to Dom at the Athletics uh, model, uh, literally every single team in the Central either got worse or stayed the same in terms of like yeah. projected wins. Yeah. Here's the thing: Vegas didn't get any better either. They might have got no. worse too. I mean, Vegas ain't Vegas definitely got worse. They sent Max Pacioretty for nothing. Yeah, so, I mean, it, it's – the West is still open. We don't play in the East, guys. Right. <laughs> the East is absolutely loaded with teams. The West isn't as much. We right. spoke about that, too. I mean, it's not like the Wild Cup window is wide open next week or next year. So, like, listen, nobody is saying that Bill Garrett is infallible. He has made some moves that we have disagreed with, but I think when given the situation that he's been given – I, I just don't understand some of the heavy criticism that's levied on Bill Guerin, especially because he like this, the one that like really got like wild Twitter all ablaze was like some sort of, I, I, I don't even remember. I think the, I think it was uh, Tony at zone coverage or 10 K rinks or whatever it's called, where uh, he said something to the effect of like uh, Bill Guerin's culture that he's creating is like, why like Jack McBain didn't want to sign here and stuff like that. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> want to put words in his mouth. Cause I don't remember. I, I read the article and I remember thinking like, this is silly, but like, that was kind of the end of the, that was where it ended. But it was like the culture here, the gist of it was, and I, I, I hope that I'm not misattributing it to somebody else, but I think the gist of it was Jack McBain didn't want to sign here. Hovenov doesn't Hovenov got cut because of the culture that the Bill Guerin's building. Same thing with uh, Brennan Manel. Like, yeah, because Manel was a huge part of that Toronto team this year. Yeah, uh, this I mean, it's just, I'm here. <laughs> I mean, I'm just like, I'm at a loss on this one. And like, that's why, and like the same thing where it was like, you know, this is why Kevin Fiala had to leave is because like he couldn't fit into the culture or whatever. It's like, probably not. I mean, I, logistically, the reason that Kevin Fiala had to leave is because we couldn't afford him. The Saints are, the, the yeah. Kings are paying him, the Kings are paying him, what, like eight something a year? Yeah. Like, I think it's 7.8 7. 7. or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. you're right. Seven, eight years, 7.8? We can Maybe if the, the GM prior, well, two GMs prior, wouldn't have signed two players at 13 by eight or nine. Oh, that deal was 13 by nine? Listen, it was 13, 13 by seven and a half. Oh, okay. Well, that's... Still, we would have had a yeah. little bit of money to play with this year. Hey, hey, listen, guess listen. what? Y'all is probably here long term, but guess what? I'm not we're... here to do revisionist history on the Parisian right. suitor deals. I have said, and I will continue to say, um, in the context of how the CBA worked at the time, and also just like how, uh, just like what it meant for the organization, uh, that was the right move. I will always defend those moves. It's not. Chuck Fletcher's fault that the NHL retroactively changed the CBA to specifically screw over people that were using that loophole. And it's not Chuck Fletcher's fault that 
I don't know. It was a good move at the end of the day. Like I will always defend it, even if they didn't work out. There was a six-year stretch the there. Playoffs we we didn't miss the playoffs, and we did not miss the playoffs until like seven or eight years into the contracts. Well, right and at the end of their careers with the Wild, exactly. The playoffs one time in the past ten years. Yeah, yeah. So can't so like no. <laughs> listen, like I get it, and like I understand like the goal is to win championships, not make the playoffs. I get that. But like yeah. we've seen, we've seen plenty of teams tank repeatedly and have it not work out. Buffalo, Arizona, Montreal to a lesser extent. Philly's been bad for a few years too. Yeah, but it's not the same thing. That's not the, They're not actively tanking. They're just bad. They're just well. <laughs> look who the GM is. Yeah. So listen, I'm not. I'm not sitting here. I'm not going to sit here and say that. Like Chuck Fletcher was like a great GM or anything like that. He was, I think, I think he was a good GM and I think he is a terrible GM in Philly, but I think he was, I think for the, his time with the wild, I think he was a good GM. I've said this before. I'll say it again. I will always defend the contracts because of what they were in the moment. Obviously hindsight's 2020. We go, go back and do it and everything else stays the same, except for we don't have, if we could sign him to like an eight year deal. Sure. I think that would be perfect. Um, But we couldn't, everybody has made the best of what they can since and it is what it is. Um, so, you know, that part stinks, but there's only so much you can do. I don't I don't know how else to put it, really. Um, so, you know, in a vacuum, there are – I guess what I'm trying to say is in a vacuum, a cert, you may disagree with a certain move, but the NHL, this team, the way that things work, it's not in a vacuum. There's always context that matters. Like – if I mean, here's the here's the fact of the matter, right? Maybe so. Kevin Fiala signs for seven point eight in LA. Maybe to stay in Minnesota, he would have asked for more. Maybe it's eight point five because you know it's it's there's fewer endorsement opportunities for him to make up that extra seven hundred thousand dollars a year or whatever. I don't know. Maybe maybe he like you know him and Dino pretty famously uh, have a have a contentious relationship where like they love each other, but they hate each other. Maybe he didn't want to sign up for eight years of that. And like, realistically an eight year contract means that you're going to see at least two coaches, but maybe not. I don't know. So like, it's silly to say that like, Oh, well he signed for this deal. We should have done this and done this. Well, it takes two to tango on that. I, it's a yeah. long winded, a long winded way to say, we don't know what's happening. And when people try and play armchair GM and act like, Oh, you know, well in shell, I did this. It's like, okay, shut the hell up. Yeah. So and anyway, I don't think McBain was a fit simply because he didn't want to battle. I mean, exactly. Wild where he wasn't going to be a top six option here anytime soon and no. didn't want to battle to be one. So he took the easy way out and signed with the fucking Arizona coyotes. Have fun playing in front of like 5,000 people. It's a smaller arena that he played his college yeah. game in. <laughs> yeah, glad you signed up for that, Jackie boy. I, I mean, like, I know people like people will hate on the quote or whatever, but like Bill Guerin, when he was like, as soon as he said he didn't want to be here, it was an easy decision to cut bait. Yeah, great. And I think that's the same thing. Like, if somebody doesn't want to be here, then cool. Playing in the NHL is a privilege. Playing for a specific team is is not, you know. Until you get to a certain point of your career, it's not like your decision. You know, if a right. team has your rights, then great. And 
you know, you play for them or you don't play at all. And like, that's just how it works is what it is. All that to say, let's, uh, let's, let's move on because uh, otherwise we're just going to rant and yell at, yell at, not at each other, but in the direction of each other saying the exact same thing for several hours. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, about this stuff. Yeah. So we'll, uh, we'll move on to uh, wild takes before we wrap up the show. Uh, We are going to each give our wild take. My wild take uh, this year is that Murat, the piss missile, who's Nadinov. You heard me mention him before a million times. He is now apparently the captain of uh, Scott St. Petersburg, which is terrific. Uh, Or he's at least the captain of their like Halinka or or Sochi cup team that they've got going out here. Um, And he has proven that he's a leader. The Scott team is liking him. He's going to get more minutes and all that. He's going to be a consistent KHL player. Uh, I'm going to say he's going to be in the top 15 uh, in the KHL scoring. And he is 21 years old. Um, It's crazy. He is an absolute monster. We love the piss missile. He's got a great two-way game. He can win some face-offs. He can play on the penalty. He can play on the penalty kill. He can play on the power play. Kid is a kid is a monster. He is going to be in the top 15 in, uh, in scoring. You're on alert, Russia and parts of China. I could definitely see it. He's uh, like, like he's a great two-way game. Um, Plays for a pretty decent team, I'm pretty sure. And Scott, yeah, they're they're the they're the probably the second or third best team in the league this yeah, year. Yeah, so I mean, he's going to be playing with some solid players. Let's just hope he ups into a good two way player for the Wild here in the next few years because they got some good Russians coming over. I'll tell you that much. Amen. Um. Yeah. Well, Zuch, what's your uh, what's your Wild take? Uh, I'm going to stick with the Twins since it's baseball season. I'm a big baseball sure, guy. Sure. Hey. Wild take is Carlos Correa will be a Minnesota twin next season. Why? <laughs> Why doesn't he opt out? Well, because he's not having a great season this year. So I think in order, the reason he did what he did was to go to free agency after having a monster season to get the most money. So I feel like, why not come on back? I don't think Royce Lewis is going to be back anytime soon. He might be back for spring training, but you're really going to run out a guy. That's Torres ACL two times the last two seasons when you can keep a right of caliber Carlos Correa around. I think the Twins are going to keep him in town. I, I think Correa, the Twins are a solid team this year. I mean, they're not, I don't think they're going to win the World Series, but it's baseball. You never know. You could you mm-hmm. just the dance. There's only six teams in the playoffs. So for goodness sake, you're going to host one of the series if you win the division. So I don't know. I just feel like he'll be back. They've had they're having a successful enough season to keep him around. You got Buxton, got Polanco, got a rise, got players around him. And I think he's gonna come back next season to eventually leave after having a monster 2023 year. <laughs> There's that Minnesota pessimism. Well, I mean, you're gonna have Brooks Lee and Royce Lewis waiting in the ranks. So I mean Yeah, it'll probably be fine. I don't think you you should probably put some money towards pitching for once, but what do I know? I am not we a will... <laughs> We will see, won't we? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, I hope you're right because that would be super fun. And this twin team is pretty good, and it would be great to see that happen. Yeah. Um, I enjoy so, watching Carlos Correa. Uh, good yeah. player. Good player. <laughs> what's the, what's the copy pasta? Uh, I enjoy watching Twins baseball. They are my favorite baseball team. When Carlos Correa <laughs> scores a home run, I say yes. When Carlos Correa <laughs> strikes out, I say no. Yeah, <laughs> that's about right. 
Oh man. That's, I mean, that's pretty much how I feel, man. Is this, you know, we've talked about it before on the podcast. Is this the year that the, uh, the twins finally win a game? Maybe, hopefully, probably. We I shall see. They will. Our division we is very, very weak. They yeah, can't, that's not, they that's can't win our division. That's, that's a problem. That, well, that's, uh, that's what I mean. That's, that's why our division being so weak is, 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 is uh, not exactly to the benefit of the twins in the no. postseason. Well, I mean, the six. I think they can win one. They just got to. Dude, you know, whoever gets the six is a team that they can definitely play with. So, in theory, yeah, we'll we'll see. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. Anyway, before, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that is going to do it for us this week on the show. As always, thank you for listening to the Wild Takes podcast. And as always, we are presented by Ten Thousand Takes. Go give us a follow on social media at Wild Takes Ten K, where we're going to be posting a lot of stuff about the World Juniors and uh, you know the other good stuff. Make sure to follow along with the rest of Ten K as well. If you like the show, tell your friends. If you hate the show, tell your enemies. And remember, folks, it's not just about working hard and having fun. It's about fucking winning. Long live the piss missile. Stay safe out there. Get the fuck out of bed, bitch. Go.